0: This is the Discover Demelza podcast, episode
1: one. You are listening to the Discover Demelza podcast, where you will join with Demelza in learning new things that will benefit your physical, mental and spiritual health and well-being. Discover Demelza is sponsored by Your Natural Choice, supplier of Moore's Original Ointment. Considered the best under the sun in the Victorian era, this continues to be an effective and soothing all-natural cream that is kind to your skin. Don't miss out on this great product. Get yours today. Also sponsored by Cheeky Monkey Safaris, your ideal choice for an amazing safari adventure in the Serengeti Plains and other spectacular national parks in Tanzania. Book now to take advantage of a holiday of a lifetime. And now, your host, artist, entrepreneur, and Christ follower, Demelza Marie.
0: Hello, I'm Demelza and I want to welcome you to the first episode of the Discover Demelza podcast. As mentioned in the introduction, I'm an artist and have been involved in various forms of art in the past, including traditional art, such as painting and drawing, but also music, acting, design, and I got my bachelor's degree in video production and photography. After working in the video field for about seven years, where I had the opportunity to travel extensively in Europe, I stopped pursuing video jobs due to a decline in my health. I had been quite active during my twenties, enjoying and teaching dance and even fitness classes as well as working out several times a week. However when I turned 30, symptoms that had been nagging in the background came to the forefront with a crash and so a lifestyle adjustment was needed. I looked for ways in which I could be productive from home, so have started my own business and I'm utilising my artistic skills in new ways, which is kind of exciting. This podcast is an outworking of some of the things I've learned over the years and is what I hope will be an encouragement to those who struggle with health issues, as well as inspire anyone, unwell or not, who's interested in a variety of topics, such as good food, health, the arts, travel, working from home living life as a Christian, and many other things. You can find me on various social media outlets, such as my blog, discoverdemelza.com. I am also on Twitter, Instagram, I have a YouTube channel, and I have a Facebook page all under the name of Discover Demelza. For today's topic, though, I want to start by raising awareness of dysautonomia, since October is Dysautonomia Awareness Month, and share a bit more about what it is and how it affects those of us who suffer from it. Just to be clear, POTS, which is Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome, is the most common form of dysautonomia. Dysautonomia basically means that the automatic functions of the body, the ANS, or the Autonomic Nervous System, don't work properly. There's a malfunctioning in the communication lines between the brain and the rest of the body, basically. You may never have heard of POTS in your life, but it is actually not as rare as people think. However, it's very underdiagnosed. It's estimated that there are 1 to 3 million people in the USA that suffer with POTS. It takes a patient an average of 6 years to get diagnosed and is a hard journey trying to get doctors to take them seriously because most doctors are unaware of this illness. 85% of the patients are female and are most often between the ages of 12 to 50 although very young children and older people also have it. Experts compare the disability seen in POTS to the disability seen in congestive heart failure or COPD. Some patients can continue with normal daily activities school and work but about 25 percent can no longer work or go to school and some require the use of a wheelchair or become bedridden. You can read more about the illness from a general perspective by visiting my blog for additional links. As for my story, it's hard to say when my symptoms started because I've dealt with many of them my whole life to some degree or another. This is most likely due to a genetic cause, but that is still under investigation, so I won't expand on that at this point. I was able to continue to live life normally for the most part and to persevere through most of the symptoms I experienced. In fact, as mentioned in my introduction, I was quite active, worked out about five times a week, danced regularly, and even taught fitness classes for a while. I travelled a lot to produce videos, and was very involved in the social activities and events around me. That was until I turned 30. Then it was all downhill. I started developing more symptoms, and those that I had been coping with became more severe, so that I became concerned about what was happening as it was having a negative impact on my being able to do even basic things. Some days I didn't even have strength to lift a glass of water or walk from one room to another without difficulty. I would get palpitations and feel lightheaded regularly. Sometimes I would pass out and collapse. Other times I would shake violently as if I were having a seizure. I became a frequent visitor of my GP during this time as various tests were run to see what might be the cause, but everything came back negative. I was sent to the neurologist, who referred me to the cardiologist, and then I was back to see the neurologist again. That process took a year. During that time, I would wish that something would come back positive from the tests that were run. I would actually have been delighted with the report that such and such was malfunctioning in some way so that I could get treatment and hopefully start feeling better. Not having a reason or a label to justify why I felt so bad made it difficult to know how to deal with it myself, let alone other people knowing how to respond when things started changing, such as my ability to join in social activities. When asked if there were any diagnosis yet, it was hard to say that no one knows what's going on and that the tests were coming back negative. Whether or not it happened in reality, it was easy to feel dismissed or not taken seriously. I think that in my case it was more my insecurity than reality, because I'm thankful to have friends and family that, overall, have been very supportive, even if not really understanding what's going on. I know for many people, however, that's not their story. I was relieved and thankful to finally receive my diagnosis of POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is the most common form of dysautonomia, in August 2015. Finally, all the random things made sense, and those symptoms that don't fall under the category of POTS are likely to fall into a genetic disorder that often goes with it, which will hopefully be confirmed in the next few months. I have since joined a Facebook community of POTSies online, and it's been encouraging to engage with others who are struggling with the same sort of things and not feel abnormal. So what are the symptoms of POTS? This list I'm about to read through is from the Org site. If you go on my blog, all the symptoms that are in bold and black, I personally deal with to some extent or another, to show how one person can be affected by so many different areas. I also added my own notes to indicate regularity of the symptoms as of the present time. For this podcast, however, I will just read through the symptoms themselves and just add a few notes here and there. The symptoms presumed to be related to cerebral hyperperfusion, are lightheadedness, fainting or near fainting, generalized weakness and mood disorders such as anxiety, depression and lack of ability to cope with stress. This could also be as a result of neurotransmitters releasing abnormally, causing ups and downs. What's interesting is I used to be very emotionally stable and laid-back, so this is really hard to deal with, and probably what I hate most, because it makes everything else worse. The lightheadedness, fainting, and generalized weakness is something I experience most days, or um, fairly regularly. Symptoms presumed to be related to autonomic overactivity include the following, which are palpitations, tremulousness, shortness of breath, chest discomfort and or pain and for most of those it's an experience I have several times a week. Pseudomotor symptoms include the following. Loss of sweating or excessive sweating. Personally I get the excessive sweating which is annoying because I even get it when I'm cold but I am thankful for the option to lay your clothes. Apparently, loss of sweating and excessive sweating are more common in patients with elevated norepinephrine levels. Symptoms that may reflect dysautonomia. Delayed gastric emptying. This can cause fullness very quickly, so small regular meals are recommended. Bloating after meals. Nausea. Vomiting. And this would be for no apparent reason. Abdominal pain diarrhea, sometimes with alternating constipation or constipation by itself and bladder dysfunction this may include polyuria, which is excessive urination and pupillary dysfunction which may or may not be responsible for some other reported symptoms such as blood vision and tunnel vision personally I get the blood vision um, but not the rest of it and again most of these symptoms I experience um, Several times a week um, and or fairly regularly through the month. generalized complaint symptoms, are fatigue, which can be disabling, sleep disorders can cause unrefreshing sleep and an increased need for sleep; headache, migraine, myofacial pain, or neuropathic pain. My facial pain is characterized by regional muscle pain accompanied by trigger points, and neuropathic pain for me is in the form of tingling and numbness. Again, most of these things are daily occurrences for me. Other symptoms reported in research that are not re- not categorized above include dizziness, tachycardia, exercise intolerance, clamminess, anxiety, and other mood disorders. Flushing, postprandial hypotension, which is low blood pressure after meals, blood pooling in limbs, intolerance to heat, feeling cold all over, low blood pressure upon standing, cognitive impairment. This may include difficulties with concentration, brain fog, memory, and or word recall. Narrowing of upright pulse pressure cold hands and often feet and nose Raynaud's is often um, associated with this hypervolemia which is low blood volume chills high blood pressure hyperventilation numbness or tingling sensations reduced pulse pressure upon standing low back pain personally I also get um, upper back pain where it feels like a a belt is wrapped around my chest and lower back or upper back rather and it's been squeezed and that can be really uncomfortable aching neck and shoulders noise sensitivity for example even a simple conversation or the sound of my own voice when reading out loud can be uncomfortable and light sensitivity again I also struggle with a lot of movement as that can make me dizzy So, for example, a fan spinning in a room, a person rocking a baby side to side, fast scrolling of an internet page, movies with fast movement, and the list goes on. And uh, disequilibrium is another symptom. The above symptoms are reported by POTS researchers, and other symptoms sometimes reported by POTS patients include arrhythmias, chemical sensitivities, may have Multiple chemical sensitivity and can be very sensitive to medications, may only need small doses. Easily overstimulated, feeling full quickly, feeling wired. Personally, I would consider this when I feel well, but I often crash afterwards. Food allergies or sensitivities, hyperreflexia, loss of appetite. Personally, I often don't feel like eating anything but I'm hungry, so I do eat, if that makes sense. So I kind of wish that I didn't have to eat. Muscle aches and or joint pains. Swollen nodules and lymph nodes. Polydipsia, which is excessive thirst. Weight loss or gain. Um, I personally lost a significant amount in one month after symptoms had recently started and I've never put it back on. Feeling detached from surroundings and restless leg syndrome. Most of these, again, I also struggle with on a daily or weekly basis. Since most people experience some of these symptoms from time to time just as part of being human, it's important to note that with POTS patients, it's the frequency and amount of symptoms happening at the same time that makes it difficult for the sufferer. A survey I have posted a link to online shows some graphs of how frequently POTS patients struggle with the symptoms. Some people describe it as having flu all the time with extreme fatigue, aches, pains, exhaustion, nausea and mental fatigue that's experienced. As you can see by this list I struggle with almost all the symptoms and most of them are regular occurrence in my daily life. There are rare days when I feel energetic and well and the symptoms are not really an issue. Most days however the symptoms vary from being in the background what I call an okay day, where I can still get things done, to barely being able to do anything other than lie down due to extreme fatigue, weakness, pain, palpitations, etc. Mornings and evenings are often my worst times, with late morning, early afternoon being my most reliably best time of the day, although not always. The longer I sit up or stand, the worse I often feel. Several people liken the dizziness or the disequilibrium to being on a boat all the time, feeling unsteady or being pulled to the side. So it's not uncommon to be, quote, bouncing off the walls for support. So I've resorted to having an adapted office where I can lie down in order to enable me to feel as well as I can while working. You can read more about that on my blog as well. Unfortunately, this tendency means that I often feel worse when cooking meals, or being at church, or attending social events. times, especially a main meal like dinner, or a Sunday lunch, can make things worse. This doesn't help when wanting to be social, since a lot of events are meal-related, and or they're in the evenings. For me personally, this has meant giving up, at least for the time being and foreseeable future, A lot of activities I enjoyed, such as dancing and most exercise, singing with my church band and playing percussion. It also makes other things difficult, such as attending social activities with friends, church events or visiting my family. I can no longer commit to things without having backup plans in place or the recognition that there's a good chance I'll have to pull out altogether. Even when going out and attending events, the sensory overloads, can make it challenging to enjoy the time. I often find visuals and noise to be overwhelming at supermarkets, especially cash registers, and social gatherings, which can make me feel bad even if I was feeling okay before. The sensory overload isn't limited to noise and visuals, but also includes a sense of smell and also sensitivity and pain when touched. It's sad to me when it hurts to hold my husband's hand, or I have to break from a hug because it's painful. On my blog, I have a link to a good illustration on sensory overload. These losses and challenges make it difficult to maintain relationships because of the inability to be involved in the same way. It's easy to feel restricted or even trapped because of the limitations. For some, those limitations are constant, and it's a case of adjusting life to accommodate to the new, quote, normal. For others like myself, it's more irregular, and although we have, quote, good days, It's still difficult because we never know when we'll feel well enough or not, and we can go down any minute. It's also harder for friends and family to understand when they really only see you when you're well enough to be out, and they don't see you when you're collapsed on the floor, barely able to move and unable to think, or it feels like you've just run a marathon, walking to the bathroom and back to bed as you lay there catching your breath. For a lot of people with parts, the emotions are also out of whack partly due to the grief process of losing the ability to do things or be involved in the same way. For some it's compounded by the lack of support and understanding from family members, friends, doctors, work colleagues who can't understand why the sufferer can't just do stuff like normal, especially since they quote, look fine. However there is a physical side as well, where not enough blood is getting to the brain and neurotransmitters are not releasing normally which causes unexplained lows and anxiety, which are often then compounded by external factors such as the circumstances, disappointments, misunderstandings, stress, etc. that may not even have been big issues if the person was feeling well. This is truly miserable for the sufferer who can get to the point of wanting to give up during those lows as they often feel very lonely and misunderstood and without hope. It's important not to forget is also very hard on loved ones too. Unfortunately, there is no cure for POTS at this time. There are drugs that can be used to manage the symptoms, and these vary depending on the root cause and the individual's tolerance and specific needs. Of course, with drugs come side effects, so it can be a balancing act to know which is the worst of the two evils. There are natural, non-invasive treatments, such as increasing salt intake, drinking 2-4 to litres of water a day, Exercise, which is dependent on tolerance, and it may be good to have a physio as a guide, especially to start with. Compression stockings, and lying down and elevating the feet when feeling dizzy. Some people will be able to lead relatively normal lives if they implement these things. Others will not notice significant benefits, and will continue to struggle without pharmaceutical intervention. A lot of POTS patients develop a certain tolerance for the symptoms they experience every day and will make the most of what they can still do. So you may find POTS sufferers trying to fit in during the social events or just in conversations and they will quote look normal and may even say they're okay while they're still struggling with symptoms in the background. However, they know that if they don't just get on with it as best they can, they may as well give up. It's not like they can take two to three days off to recover and then feel well again, like one normally would do when feeling unwell. I included here um, some examples uh, of some quotes that I gathered online, and I just want to read some of those for you. These are things that other POTS patients wish other people understood as well. That this doesn't go away. That I'm not faking it, and that I am just as frustrated as them when my symptoms change, causing me to cancel plans. That I can't always give an answer to, what are you doing this weekend? Because I don't know what kind of body I'll wake up to. Same goes for cancelling last minute. I hate doing it as much as you're irritated by it. It's unpredictable. Some days are good, some days not so good. I wish they would understand I can be fine one minute and not feeling well the next. People think because I'm young and skinny I must be fit, but that's not the case. I struggle to walk short distances some days, while other days I can walk with not much trouble. But also on the other hand, my problem is I tell people I'm okay when I'm not. I need to be more open and honest about how I'm feeling rather than just saying I'm fine. That I am always tired and there is no waking up energized. And if I do, it doesn't last very long. A friend asked me not too long ago if I ever get sick of being tired. My answer? Yes, all the time. But there is nothing I can do about it, so I should just live my life anyways. As much as I can, anyways. When I need to sit down, I need to sit down now. Not in 5 minutes. Not in 30 seconds. Now. That we realize that other people struggle, but they have awareness and can walk into any doctor or ER and get help. Most of us are truly invisible and do not have doctors helping us fight this illness. Sorrow for the life I had before and not being able to do the things we used to and how hard it is to be a mom to my girls. That my ability to function changes by the hour. I'm not being an ass when I say I'm not sure to plans. I really am not sure if I will be physically capable of doing that at that time. It's hard to explain to someone who has no clue. It's a daily struggle being in pain or feeling sick on the inside while you look fine on the outside. Never judge what you don't understand. Okay, so before I finish, it's also important not to forget the loved ones who are also affected by the illness. It's not easy to watch someone you love suffer. It's also hard for a lot of people even when close to the sufferer, such as family members, to truly understand what's going on in the potsy body and mind at any time. Not only does the variability of being well one minute and not the next take a strain on the sufferer, but also those who live with them. It means that, in many cases, spouses are taking up extra slack due to the inability of the sufferer to do things that might be considered, quote, normal, such as cooking, housework, and the like. The sufferer is often more dependent on their spouse or family than would normally be the case and this can also put a strain on those individuals and relationships. I add this because it's easy to miss their suffering and struggles but they need encouragement and support as well. So to summarize, some of the things I've mentioned are certainly not restricted to dysautonomia There are many others who struggle with underlying illnesses who face similar difficulties and I'd encourage you to be open-minded and listen to those who suffer without writing them off as being attention-seeking or overreacting, drama queen, needing psychiatric help or anything of that sort. The reality is that almost all those who suffer would love to be quote normal and participate in normal activities without being held back. In the next episode, I'll share some thoughts about how to interact with and care for someone who has a chronic, invisible illness, as well as those who care for them. Even if you don't have these kinds of interactions at this point, it is highly likely that you will come across people in this category, and the more people are aware of how to be an encouragement, the better. Anyway, that's it for this episode. I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode next week. And maybe I'll see you on some of the social media outlets as well.
1: You have been listening to the Discover Demelza podcast. If you found today's episode helpful, please go to the website at discoverdemelza.com to find the podcast notes with links relevant to today's topic. We look forward to catching up with you next time. Have a great week.